It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review as we all wait for the Bruins to score a five-on-five goal this season. <laughs> We're brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, before we get into the Patriots-centric stuff, let's talk about Josh McDaniels for a minute here, Greg. A lot of reports coming out over the last 36 to 48 hours kind of pointing towards McDaniels as the favorite to get the Eagles job, or at least it seems like he could be the favorite. Your thoughts on that connection? Um, Yeah, now I'll just say I haven't seen all the reports. I know I've seen some hints about he's lining up staff. He's doing this. There's, right. you know, there's a, I know um, Brian Levy, who's a longtime NFL agent who reps a bunch of coaches had some sort of tweet saying basically like it's it's a foregone conclusion that McDaniels is going to be the Eagles head coach. Uh, I, I don't have at the moment. I don't have any inside information on that. Uh, I would just be. I would be surprised if it's a done deal anytime soon uh, for this reason. There's a lot of there's a lot of internal politics that go on with the Eagles, uh, namely Howie Roseman. I mean, he is he is in complete that he's the general manager. He is in complete alignment with uh, Jeffrey Lurie, the the Eagles owner. Um, Howie has – how do I term this? I, well, first of all, um, I know Howie. Uh, I think a lot of Howie. He's extremely smart. Uh, he, I think he's pretty good in personnel, uh, even though you look at this year's Eagles roster and sort of the decisions made that, that were made there. You know, what are you going to do? Football happens. But – Look, this team won a Super Bowl not too long ago. That was an, an accident. And, you know, but you look at Howie Roseman. He's been there a long time. He sort of worked his way up. Uh, when Chip Kelly came aboard a few years ago, Howie agreed to basically be kicked upstairs. And Chip Kelly had total control. And basically, Roseman sort of waited in the wings. And as soon as Chip Kelly blew himself up, there was Howie Roseman with even more power um, once Chip Kelly left. And, and that's sort of where we are right now. How that aligns with Josh McDaniels and his vision for an NFL team, I don't know for sure in this circumstance. But let's just say in general, McDaniels feels that personnel and the head coach need to be aligned. They need to come you know, from similar schools. It, certainly he's open to working with different people. And he ha- and he has been open to that in different in the past, but it, it, that's 
Look, McDaniels is going to get one more shot at this. And if if things start to go sideways in Philly, and they probably will, and that mar- media market is vicious, it might be the most vicious yep. in the NFL. Uh, I think it's worse than New York at this point. Yep. I think it's worse than Boston at this point. They 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 are tough. And if things go sideways, and there's a lot of things that can go sideways between the Wentz stuff, the Hurt stuff, uh, the the salary, the the rosters over the salary cap, all that stuff, who who do you think is going to get the blame in Philly if things go sideways? It's I doubt that it's going to be Howie Roseman. It's probably going to be Josh McDaniels. And is that the type of situation that you want for your probably last? chance at being a successful NFL head coach because if he flames out it's going to be 0 for 2 it's going to be really rough for McDaniel so I just don't know and I don't know what their conversations have been the 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 the, uh, the Eagles are interviewing the Colts offensive line and uh, offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni I think he might have been in Philly because um, Reich is there so there might be a connection there um, I just I I think it's far from a done deal. Who knows? Could he be there? Sure. I I don't know. Maybe he maybe him and Howie have a great relationship, and maybe Howie is saying all the right things. And he said, "Look, I'm going to give you ultimate authority on personnel. I'll be the general manager, but you get final call." Um, that's that sets up to certain circumstances, but that's sort of the way I see things right now uh, with McDaniel's. It reeks of desperation to me from McDaniel's if he takes this job. It's a good point. It reeks of, I don't think I'm going to have a legitimate shot at getting another gig next year. And this time around, nobody wanted to even interview me, let alone be interested in me enough to have me on the list up towards the top two or three. I think this is one of the worst openings in the NFL. And you can look at maybe Houston with all the chaos right now with Deshaun Watson as being questionable as well. But Philadelphia, you hit some of the things, Greg. They're $50 million in the red. They've got a quarterback controversy where obviously Lurie and Roseman both want Wentz to be the guy. You've got Hurts kind of just hanging there, wondering what the hell's going to happen with him. You also have Roseman, who has had a sketchy recent history in the draft, does not, has not done a really good job. I mean, if you listen to some of the Philadelphia radio, it sounds like New England. You know, oh, they selected, you know, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. And, oh, they they drafted this guy or that guy instead of this guy or that guy. So the last couple of years hasn't been great for Roseman in the draft. And also, let's not forget why Peterson left the job. Reportedly, Peterson left the yeah. job. You've got two or three options here, right? Peterson either left the job. Troy Aikman came out and said he left the job because Peterson wanted Hurts. Other people in the organization, <clears throat> Roseman, Lurie, wanted Wentz to be the guy because of the money that they were going to pay to Wentz, right? So Peterson was not given the call to pick the quarterback. That's that's one of the stories. Another story is Peterson wanted to promote within the staff, Yep. and Lurie and Roseman both shot that down. So Peterson didn't have say of the quarterback. Peterson did not have say who was going to be on his staff. You know, the other story is just that he was tired. Peterson was tired of having to deal with the front office and ownership and feeling like everything was kind of overmanaged and he had to answer to everybody else's questions. I mean, $50 million in the red, 
quarterback controversy and that kind of power structure within an organization, I just, I, I mean, I look at other jobs and say they're way beyond what Philly is right now. And to me, it's more of McDaniels feels like, man, if I don't take this swing with Philly, I don't know if I'm going to get another swing. Nick, um, you bring up a couple of excellent points, and this is why I have you on the podcast oh, you. because you're, you're wicked smart um, <laughs> and fill in and, and, and fill in the blanks where I where I sort of fumble. Um, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that's part of the the calculation for McDaniel's right now is he's looking at this hiring process, the two jobs that he probably would have jumped at, the Chargers and the Jaguars didn't even talk to him. Yep, uh, constantly. We are now how many years out from Indianapolis? It's it's constantly brought up. Um, uh, Denver is constantly brought up. Um, you also have to factor in, look what is coming in New England. Um, you know, you're probably not, uh, it, 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 despite what was said at the time, I don't exactly think Bill Belichick has opened up his world to you and you know what the plan is in terms of quarterback, personnel, wide receivers, tight ends, any of this, that stuff. All you can do is look at the past two years and what has Bill Belichick given you to work with as the offensive coordinator? Really jack crap. I mean, between the wide receivers and the tight ends the past yeah. two years, how do you, how are you assured that it's going to be any better next year? You don't even know who your quarterback is going to be. You probably don't even know what the plan is at quarterback. So then you look at it and you say, all right, if I'm getting no interest right now, how am I assured that I'm going to get any interest a year from now? How is it going to be any better a year from now? And look, people could say this job isn't good or that job isn't good or whatever, but the, it always comes down to this. Cause I'm always surprised. Like, you know, when Brian Flores jumped to Miami, I didn't think that was a great opportunity for him. I thought better chances were coming for him. There's only 32 of these jobs in the world. Right. And uh, you know, it's not every year that you're offered them. That's why, you know, Brian Dayball, basically pulling his name out, and I thought he was going to be a strong candidate for Philly. Once once the Chargers made their move, which that's the job that Dayball wanted, that's the job most people in the NFL community thought that he was targeted for. Once they went to Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, Dayball all of a sudden pulls himself out and, and his agent or whoever is saying, well, he's going to be the top uh, candidate next year. Yeah, well, you don't really know that. Like, what happens if – not everything goes right. What if Josh Allen regresses when there are people in the stands? What if the Bills all of a sudden are great this year and they suck next year on offense? Who do you think is going to get the blame? And yeah. then all of a sudden you're not getting calls. Um, but I think I, I think what what was your other point on? Um, uh, oh, the, the 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 dynamics, Peterson and the Eagles. You're absolutely correct. If I was talking to Josh McDaniels, my counsel to him would be. You need to figure out how much meddling there is going to be going on because right. Chip Kelly had the power and was able to say, you know what? I'm doing things my way. You guys stay the hell out. How we get the hell out. If you want me, this is the way it's going to be. McDaniels is not coming from that sort of uh, power authority right now, but you're absolutely right. Peterson basically was ready to go resign, whatever, got fired, whatever, because he was sick of. After every season, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman come to him and say, all right, well, what's your plan for the offense? What do you? Well, we don't like that plan. Like, it, it, this goes on every year in Philly unless you make certain uh, Chip Kelly accommodations. That's going to happen. And how is McDaniels going to react to that? I think it's 
it's all extremely valid. It's all part of the the calculus that goes on with this Eagles job. And you're right. I don't think it's all as opposed to like say the Chargers and the Jaguars and other places with you know salary cap space and things like that. Uh, and also, you know, uh, a, a, a stable quarterback situation. I wouldn't say the Eagles is great, but, you know, like you said, on the other side of the coin for Josh McDaniels, you have to balance, all right, well, when am I going to get an opportunity? Because if this year is any ind- indication, and if and if I'm not confident things are going to be better for the Patriots next year, okay, where am I going to be? Do I want to pass this up? I think that's going to be part part of the calculation. And, you know, and also, Nick, what no one's really talking about is, like, the Eagles are on the other side of this. Like, do they want McDaniels? Like, they, I don't think that's set in stone either, that I'm sure McDaniels, just like he did in Cleveland last year, just like he's done in other places where he says, this is my vision for a franchise. This is the way I see things going, personnel, coaching staff, all this stuff. Is that in alignment what how what Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie want? I don't know. We'll have to see. All right, let's jump to what was being talked about a lot yesterday on Boston Radio, and this should not be a surprise. I'm not a huge fan of kind of going back to relitigate the Belichick Brady stuff. Yeah. I know that sounds very weird, but I detach myself from it. I do. Like to me, I've always kind of looked at sports as as a very business like approach in my head. So once a guy leaves, to me, it's okay, what's going to happen next? That's where my head always goes. I know some people love living in the past and they they can't get by this whole Brady Belichick thing. Right. I see it more in the rearview mirror. I really do. I think my overall feeling about the relationship was that all relationships in sports end at some point. These two guys were the goats within their specific individual categories. It went beyond 20 years. There was some, you know, going back a couple of years ago with Brady kind of being irritated, not being offered the deal, which, by the way, you know, I just look at this and say I could actually see it from both guys' viewpoints. And I know that's not hot take, super right. sexy sports radio stuff. But if mm-hmm. you're Belichick, I can only, uh, you know, I could totally understand Belichick saying, I'm not going to give a 40-plus-year-old guy a three-year contract or a two-year contract. No matter what he's done in the past, you don't pay for past performance. You pay for what you think the player is going to do. Once you start paying for past performance is when you ruin an organization. I could totally understand Belichick saying, yeah, he's been great. And he continues to defy father time. But if I give this guy a two or three year deal and we're getting close to his mid forties, you know, that's going to be a really tough spot. So yeah, if it takes us ripping off the bandaid, then that's what we're going to do. I can see Belichick's side, but I can also understand Brady. I can understand a guy who had put everything he had into an organization for two decades, consistently took less money, knows that he's looking at one of his final contracts, wants to get that payday, wants to be surrounded with weapons. So I understand Brady walking away. I know it's not popular, but in reality and logically speaking, I can understand each side. But of course, Greg, we're in 2021, which means Brady gets to the NFC championship game. And boy, oh boy, here come the hot takes firing out of the cannons in Boston as people can't wait. Can't wait to bring up Brady's in the NFC championship game. Blah, 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 blah. I know that you've heard a lot of takes on the radio over the past 24 hours that you disagree with. I'm just going to set it up for you. The floor is yours. 
<laughs> Thanks. Um, and by the time people listen to this, I will have been on Felger and Maz, and I, I would probably um, might have put my head through a wall by now. <laughs> so, you know, I heard some of it yesterday. And in general, and first of all, I agree with you. The, 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 not everything is it, it needs a hot take. And that's sort of why we have BSJ. It's sort of why I have this podcast where, you know, we can throw, you know, water on all that stuff. Um, I think most people who have read me and listened to me over the years know in terms of Brady and Belichick, I'm pretty much in the middle. Yeah. Like I was all over Belichick's case about what he gave Brady to work on offense and about, you know, I was critical of his comments about like we sold out the past couple of years. Like, I don't believe any of that crap. And like, you know, if you were selling out, then you actually would have given Tom weapons to work with, you know, in training camp or in the off season and things like that. Maybe Tom would have showed up. And and I was also critical of Tom for not showing up and not working as hard as he used to. And, and I understand why he did that. He was throwing a temper tantrum. I didn't like Belichick. Um you know, f- fiddling with Guerrero, you know, okay, he's allowed in, now he's not. And, like, you know, just making it harder for Brady and and and, and Belichick not giving Tom a contract extension after they beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Like, I thought he should have gotten a five-year extension right there. He, he was the he was the MVP. They were – they had won the Super Bowl. What else does the guy have to prove? You yep. would um, – he just should have gotten a five-year extension, which would take him through – um, like 2022, 2023, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yep. Um, so I've been pretty much down the middle, but I just think, you know, listening to some of the stuff, some of the, some of the sort of points that people are making in terms of this, just, you know, drive me crazy. First of all, there's the, um, you know, Tom's the greatest winner ever. Only Tom could have done this with the Buccaneers and Arians. Okay. Well, first of all, Let's not make the Buccaneers out like they're the Bengals. Like, you know, if you want to, if you calculate everything from their beginning when they wore the the creamsicle uniforms, okay, fine. Uh, they've been bad, but like, I'm sorry, but like in my lifetime, the Bucks have been pretty good most of the time, especially for a good 12 year run there with Tony Dungy and John Gruden. This is not some. This is not the Bengals, okay? And on the coach. Bruce Arians, even though I do think he's a boob sometimes, and I think <laughs> even now, you, the more microphones that are stuck in front of him, the, the worse he sounds. Oh, he airs you know, the hell out of me, the guy. He does. Yeah. Um, but let's not make him out like it's Marvin Lewis. Like, you know, you're talking about, whoa, you know, you know, no, only Tom Brady could get them. First of all, they were seven and nine last year with goddamn awful quarterback play. Um, 30 interceptions, right? Was it 30? 30 interceptions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so so only Tom Brady could have elevated them a few games and things like that. I just don't believe that. I I, I believe that uh, decent quarterback play would have improved the Bucs, and they probably would have been in the playoffs. Would they be here? I don't know, but that's different. Uh, you know, maybe if they would have drawn a below 500 team and go against a Drew Brees who couldn't throw further than 10 yards, yeah. Um, but be that as it may, on the coach, everyone's like, well, Bruce Arians this, Bruce Arians that. He was in the NFC Championship game five years ago with Carson Palmer as his quarterback. Like, did people just black out? Do they did they forget this? Only Tom Brady could. Well, Carson Palmer did it. Like, what are we talking about here? You, you, you people are just trying to 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 find points to fit their agendas. Um, also, the big point is this proves it was Tom over team. What 
are you talking about? What does one thing have to do with the other? I went back and I read my column at the time when Brady left the Patriots and I had a line in there saying like, now everyone's going to keep score. And this is even before I knew where he was going. And I said, it's pointless because the two, whatever team he's going to in this team are going to be in two different circumstances. And that's yep. where they are. Yep. The Bucks were, they, look, they did better than I thought they were going to be. I, I will say I feign air, ignorance uh, on, on the Bucks because I just didn't study that. I didn't see them that much that, last year. And so I didn't know how good the defense was. I didn't know what they had. I didn't know they were going to get Antonio Brown. I didn't know they were going to get something out of Rob Gronkowski. So they, their offensive line is better than I thought it was going to be. They drafted Tristan Wirfs, who's had a great year. It's they, everybody, Anybody who knows anything about football can look at the two teams and say that the Bucs were loaded. They were ready to go to the next level. Brady helped put them there. The Patriots are just in a different spot. They're in a much different spot. They haven't had offensive weapons in years. They're up against the cap, all this stuff. Like, I just don't, I just don't understand um, that, that point of view. I think it, it doesn't prove anything. It just proves that the Bucs had better talent than the Patriots. And okay. And, and people could say, well, they were below 500. Well, did you see how the Patriots finished last year with Tom Brady at quarterback? They were four and five. They were, I think, two and five down the str- really down the stretch with games that mattered, including the Dolphins game. Like the Patriots were a losing team at the end of last year. They're a losing team now. Brady was there last year. He was not there this year. So I just don't think a lot of the arguments, um, you know, hold water from from one thing to another. But whatever, people are going to say whatever they're going to say, and I just think it's ridiculous. I think some of this Brady stuff. You know, we we look at Brady, and I think a lot of people give him credit for some things that, quite frankly, I don't know if he deserves credit for this year with the Bucks. And, you know, one thing I will say about this, and I've been saying this throughout the season, Brady against good teams has not been the same versus crap teams. And a major reason why, and they might go on and they might win the Super Bowl, it might be a great story, but certain things had to fall their way, just like almost every other Super Bowl run. When you yep. look at the Bucs, you mentioned this, Greg. They drew a 7-9 and nine Washington team who had their fourth quarterback playing, Taylor Heineke. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. well as Heineke played that night, and as great of a story as he was, they played a below 500 team with a fourth-string quarterback. That was their first, first playoff win. That, that Let's not throw a parade. And then now we see them play the Saints. And listen – the Saints are really good on defense, I think. But you saw Drew Brees. He's done. His arm is linguini. Nothing left in the tank. Could not throw it beyond 10 yards. They turned the football over four, count them, four times, which gave Tampa short fields. Tampa scored 21 points off of the first three New Orleans Saints turnovers. So, yeah, if you are even an above-average quarterback, you are going to put points up on the board when the opposition is handing the, handing you the football in their own territory. That's how football works. So we'll see what happens when they go to Lambeau. We'll see what they do when Aaron Rodgers plays against that defense. I, I just, listen, it's a, it's a great moment for Brady to get to the NFC Championship game. And I give him credit for playing better than I expected him to play at the age of 43. There's no denying that. But there are circumstances that we have to pay attention to. We can't be disingenuous with this conversation. We have to give the context. The context of this team being 11-5 and five 
is also a final month of the season when they played a bunch of trash teams. They played Atlanta twice. Twice. They, they played Lions. Yeah, they played the Lions. Brady was sitting at halftime because they came out and blew the Lions <laughs> out in the first half. So, I mean, let, let's put context to it. Yes, this team was 7-5, and five, but I think they were 1-5 and five or something like that during the regular season against winning teams. Yep. And I just gave you the situation about the playoffs and who they've played. So if they go into Green Bay, they win that game, I think that's when you stand up and you say, okay. But frankly, to me, when he signed with Tampa, this was Super Bowl or bust. And if he doesn't get to a Super Bowl, then that's a fail. It's as simple as that. There's only a, mm -hmm. there's only four or five teams in the NFL, Greg, that say Super Bowl or bust. Tampa was one of those teams. You go all in on a 43-year-old quarterback because your mission statement at that moment is we've got to win the whole damn thing. If you fall short of that, you did not meet your goal. So let's see what they do in Green Bay. Again, tip of the cap to Brady, getting through the Saints. I was disgusted by you know Drew Brees and what we saw and the Jared Cook fumble, which I thought was huge. New Orleans is up by a touchdown, and they're driving yep. and fumbles, and that that swung the momentum of the game. And after that point, it was all over. So let's yep. see what happens, and let's not act like the Saints have played great in the postseason. That's the third straight loss. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was Brady before you didn't know that Cattles. I mean Brady again, and, and people will sit there and say though, oh man, well you're just you know you're dumping on Brady. No, I'm not dumping on Brady. If you watched that game on Sunday and you thought Tom Brady was awesome, we watched different games. I thought Brady was okay. Yes. So I, I didn't – I you know, we should be talking about, and this is why you mentioned, Tampa's defense. They created the four turnovers. They gifted Brady awesome field position. Like, that's that's why Tampa put up the points they did. It, Brady oh, oh, was sitting back oh. in the pocket. You know, Mike Evans didn't – I don't even know if he caught a pass. Right, all three all three touchdowns came off of turnovers. The I think their scoring drives were three yards, forty yards, and twenty yards. Yeah, yeah. Brady's the goat. Nobody else could have done that. Cattles. <laughs> I think Evans caught a touchdown. By the way, I just want to. Okay. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, it's just that was the the one one play three yard drive. Great yeah, job. Like, uh, it's like Lamar Jackson. I lost my mind yesterday on my show. Uh, down here in Virginia because, you know, the people last week that were ready to anoint Lamar Jackson off of a single win against Tennessee, who, yep. you know, whose defense was bad all year long, everybody wants to go crazy. And as I said last week, I think we talked about it for a minute on this podcast, the Ravens won not because of Lamar Jackson. The Ravens won because they held Derrick Henry to 40 yards rushing. If you do yep. that against Tennessee, you're likely going to win the football game. And then we see Lamar Jackson this last weekend, and again, he was a below-average quarterback, which he has been in three out of his four playoff starts. So I, we have to give context. These big, overarching narratives that become lazy, and some of them are hot takes, it's just not my style. Uh, before we move on here, I, I did want to ask you about betonline.ag. The lines, of course, coming up this weekend. we got the AFC and the NFC Championship games, Greg. Yeah, and also just looking over at our friends at betonline.ag, there are Super Bowl lines, early Super Bowl lines that you can get in on. So we'll talk about that in a second. But look, huge weekend of football. I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be betting it. We'll see if we can make any uh, you know points this weekend. But there's only one place that I go that has me covered, that has you covered. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. 
So looking over the lines, we have the uh, Packers are both the home teams are favored by three. I'm surprised the Chiefs game is not, you know, off, but I yeah. guess they want action and they think Mahomes is going to play. Uh, I don't really have a thought on either. I think those both those lines are accurate, I would say right now. And I'm sure on Thursday we'll have more to say. I do think it's interesting that they have, let's see, a Bucks bills Super Bowl is pick them. The Chiefs are favored by three over the Bucks. The Bills, excuse me, the Packers are favored by two over the over the uh, the Bills, and the Chiefs are favored by two and a half over the Packers in those Super Bowls. Um, should they happen? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS fifty to to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so quick, I want yep. the biggest takeaway from last weekend for you when you're watching those playoff games. What was the one thing that stood out the most to you, Greg, uh, last weekend? Okay, so the first game was – I'm just going back to it. Rams-Packers. Uh, Rams uh, my big takeaway from that game was um, – I'm amazed at how much Rodgers is in the zone right now. And and more importantly, he's in the scheme. This is what he had issues with that towards the end of the McCarthy era. Uh, I don't think that – I think he had outgrown that scheme. He needed to be challenged. I think LaFleur coming in really helped him. But the first year, Rodgers didn't really buy into it and sort of would do his uh, – you know, he wouldn't throw in rhythm of the offense. I think right now – He's in rhythm of the offense, and that makes them be very dangerous. Because you can you can be as enamored as you want with quarterbacks that make plays outside or off schedule, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and all this stuff. But really, what what matters? Because there's a reason why these plays are designed that way. How do they happen in the scheme when the play's called? Because how does the defense react? How are you picking them apart? That's what really matters. Like th those off schedule plays are extremely rare and they don't always work out. So I think that Rodgers right now is in the zone and, and it's going to be up to the Bucks to try to figure out how to throw them off. And, and they, that's going to be, you, you're going to have to pressure them. Uh, Bills Ravens. I thought this was a matchup of two offensive coordinators having terrible games. And it just so happens that, uh, that Brian Dayball had the better passing quarterback in this game. Yep. Uh, I thought that Dayball came out and basically didn't adjust to the to to the weather conditions and looked to me like an offensive coordinator who was trying to show out to head coaches uh, to to owners looking for a head coach, which often happens. He was way too pass happy in that game. Yep. I do not think he set up Josh Allen for success. I, I'm not going to rip Josh Allen for the way he played because I think his offensive coordinator let, let him down. And I think they've gotten way too pass happy the past couple day, games, and it could do them in against Kansas City. You have to have balance. I don't care how good you think Josh Allen is. Um, he is not going to win a game like that against Patrick Mahomes. He's just not. So you need to find a way to have balance. He's better with a little bit of play action. He's actually it, they they they've forgotten that Josh Allen actually had the most play action snaps this year, and it's part of the reason why he was good. And 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 they kept him confined, and he 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 really worked within the system well. And Dayball set him up. The Ravens and, and the Ravens. I don't know what Greg Roman was was thinking. That look. <laughs> 
basically what happened was he, 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 he like forgot about the Patriots game where the Patriots like set the edges and, and kept them in a phone booth and they couldn't do anything. And, and, and basically the bills knew with the weather and all that, they basically stacked the line and they were going to make Lamar Jackson beat them. What he should have done. And I don't understand why he didn't go to this in the second half, because once the bill, the, the, the Ravens came out, they ran really well in the first drive. Leslie Frazier made an adjustment. He said, all right, screw that. With the weather, they're not going to be able to throw. We're going to stack the line, make them throw over the top. They're not going to be able to beat us. What Greg Roman's counter should have been was, okay, we're going to go shotgun spread, and we're going to spread everybody out because it keeps them from being able to run and pass blitz, which the Bills were doing a lot of. There, there aren't that many guys in the box. And when you spread them out, Lamar Jackson can easily identify them and sort of hit who he needs to hit the weak spot if there is a pass. But also, it makes it easier in the running game for guys to double team to the second level and things like that. They just refuse to do that. And and I thought that Greg Roman had a terrible game, and I think that he's on the chopping block right now. I think they need to look at that. Um, Chiefs-Browns, I didn't see a ton of that. I just think, look, the Andy Reid call on fourth down was ballsy. I do not think that he makes it without the Super Bowl title last year. There's no way he makes that call. And that 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 get that that confidence that you get from winning a title and, and knowing that you've already reached the summit allowed him to do that. And Buccaneers Saints, look, the story of the game was Drew Brees could not throw the ball 10 yards. Yep. He was terrible. They had no other options. I don't know why Sean Payton didn't go to Jameis Winston down 10. There was no chance. You could tell on the first couple passes, and I almost tweeted this. But then I didn't because it would be like, that that take age well. But I, I was going <laughs> to say after the first drive, I was going to be like, Breeze's velocity is subpar to this point. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. The balls were ba- – even the balls he completed were barely getting there before the defense. And, and that continued. And once the Bucks realized that, that Breeze had nothing and wasn't going to beat him, they just stacked the box and went to two-man where you basically have to throw over the top of the cornerbacks and in front of the the safeties. That's a very tough timing play. And he couldn't do it. And that was the story of the game. It had nothing to do with Tom Brady. It had nothing to do with his weapons. It had nothing to do with the Bucs offense. It all had to do with the Saints' inability to throw the ball and uh, the Bucs' defense able to capitalize on their mistakes. All right, let's jump to the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Check it out with a membership. You get access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film. Also direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, The question of the week has to do with that call, the fumble through the end zone by Higgins in the Cleveland-Kansas City game. They also missed the helmet-to-helmet hit from Sorensen. Your thoughts on the call, your thoughts on the rule. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with the rule. It's been a rule forever. It's not changing. So, I hate it. You know, I, I, I every year we get this. Oh, it's the dumbest rule in sport. I, well, no, you just you know what the rule is, and 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 I don't think there's a there's an equal way to sort of legislate that that rule. And so, whatever the rule is, the rule. How now, about, hold on, I'll give you an idea on the rule. How about if okay. the team fumbles and it goes through the end zone? How about the team retains possession, but they got to go back to their own to their to the twenty. How about if you fumble it, you don't get the ball where you fumbled it at. You push the offense back 20 yards. I just I hate the idea of rewarding the defense because the offense screwed up or something happened, especially when it's a helmet to helmet hit. I just if you fumble the ball at the half yard line, the offense keeps it. If you fumble the ball through the end zone, the offense loses the ball. 
that that makes no sense to me on any level. And by the way, when the defense, if you're going to award the defense the football, which I hate, but if you're going to do that, why in the hell do they get it all the way pushed out to the 20? Why don't you say, all right, it goes to the one-yard line where the guy fumbled. Like, none of that rule makes sense. And for the people that say don't fumble, why can't we say both? Yes, Higgins should not reach out the football and fumble it. That's on him. That's on the Browns, blah, blah, blah. But also, we can say the rule sucks. Both things can be true. Take care of the football, but the NFL should change that rule because it makes no logical sense when you look at how every other fumble in the game is handled. Makes no sense to me. So if you want to if you want to punish the fumble, push him back to the 20. Don't give him it at the 1 if you want to do that. But how you give the football to the opposition, it drives me nuts. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm open to looking at the rule, but just, you know, in the offseason and things like that. But in terms of people complaining about the rule at the time, like everybody knows the rule. Like once you get into the season, everybody knows the rules. So you got to go by the rules. But I, I'm open to looking for it, and I'm fine with that. Like I would even say, you know, push him back. If you fumble into the end zone or whatever, then the offense retains the ball, but they got to go back to the 50 or something. I don't know. So I, I'm open to I'm open to looking at it. Um, so, but, you know, the helmet-to-helmet hit um, – Yes, when you slow it down and you look at it, was it helmet to helmet? Yes. Uh, should it have been called? Maybe. But the way I look at it, and I don't know if this is correct. This is just me. But the way the rule is written, it's there's they almost write intent or the ability to avoid the helmet to helmet contact. Like where they say, uh, you know, when you when you helmet to helmet contact, are you lowered to initiate contact? Like, I don't think that Sorensen lowered his helmet to initiate contact. I think he he eliminated – he lowered his helmet to keep him out of the end zone. And that it just helmet-to-helmet helmet happened. Like, it, it wasn't – and he couldn't avoid it. Like, he just – he dove in front of the, the goal line. His helmet happened to be there. I don't think – I think I think intent is written into the rule. Intent or also the chance to avoid helmet-to-helmet helmet contact. I don't think either was in play there, so I was okay with a non-call. I thought he led with his head. I thought it was a penalty, and I also just – I understand once the season starts, they're not going to change the rule on the fly, but we can still bitch about the rule because I think it sucks. It, it just – it's a terrible rule. Uh, the Great Bar Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 38 in the book. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back later on in the weekend. Uh, don't forget, we're always brought to you by betonline.ag. Until then – We'll talk later in the week. Be good, be safe, be healthy. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cap.